this morning we are wrapping up our gospel series. Uh, we have been in the gospel, uh, preaching on the gospel for the last six. This is our seventh week. But I just want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever fallen asleep during a sermon? Who's ever fallen asleep during a sermon? Okay. More, there's more of you than that. I watch you guys sometimes. Sunday mornings are funny because sometimes I'm in the middle. I'm like going at it and some of you are like. I just, I just see it. I can see it when it's coming. It's fun. Okay. That's fine. I've fallen asleep during pre. I've fallen asleep during my own preaching. It's fine. But I, I'm going to have a moment of honesty. Like there's been times, there, there's times when I fall asleep for sure. But there's also been some times in my life when I've listened to a message. Or I've listened to a whole series of messages, right? And maybe in those, that series, I was inspired, or I was entertained, I was encouraged, I was challenged. You know, this thing really got my heart, right? But if I'm totally honest, there's been times that's happened, and I've walked away and never done anything with it. Anybody else guilty of that? Right? Like, we, like oh, man, oh, good word, good word. Eh, I'm not going to really do anything with it, right? And it's a sobering thought for, me, for somebody like me. Okay, I get it, because guess what I do? I preach. <laughs> and I don't just show up on Sunday mornings. You might think I just show up and wing this thing on Sundays. No, I've spent a lot of time studying, preparing, and praying, and, and just asking God, what is it you're wanting to speak through this message? And I just pour myself into this thing. And it's a really sobering thought to think that we would all come listen to me talk for a little bit and then do nothing with it. Like, it's a little depressing for me to think about, Right? And so what I, the last thing I would want to do, we're talking about the gospel here. The last thing I would want to do is that we, we did this. We listened to all this good truth about the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and then we don't do anything with it. So what we're doing this morning is we're going to stop. Rather than just move on to the next series like we normally do, we're going to stop this morning. We're going to pause for a minute. And we're going to look at the gospel one last time. Remember, this whole series we've been saying we're going to look at the gospel. We're going to look at the gospel one last time. And, and my prayer is that, that we would look deeply. And instead of just asking specific about one facet, we would step back and we would ask this question, now what? Like, now what? Based on all of this stuff we've talked about, like, now what? How should we respond? What's, what's the point? And my prayer is that God will help point our hearts in the right direction this morning, that we would have some direction for how we're supposed to live out this gospel, all right? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. As always, I think it's important to have a Bible. Bring it with you. If you don't have a Bible, you can bring it your app on your phone if you need to. If you ever forget one, there are Bibles sitting on a table right in front of the sound booth. You can grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to have a Bible. So take that Bible and put your name in it. That is your, our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text here? Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. Nothing sacred about standing, it's just our tradition here, okay? Verse number one says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us, Lord, and I pray that we would actually hear from you today. We wouldn't hear from me. We would hear from you today. So, God, we open our hearts. We open our ears to hear from you, Jesus. Speak to us. We pray that in your name. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. All right, everybody's got their favorite season. How many are crazy out there? How many winter is your favorite season? Anybody out there? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, how many of you spring is your favorite season? Spring, we got spring. Some of you like the spring. How many of you are summer people? How many summer people? Right, right. Amber summer people, right? How many of you, this is it, fall. Fall is the season. Woo-hoo. It's a good season. It's good. I love fall. Fall is sweater weather. I love sweater weather. It's great, okay? But more than that, this is possibly the best week and a half of the entire year right now. You want to know why? Because all four sports have meaningful games going on right now, right? We got baseball, hockey, football, bat, all of it's going on. This is a great season. Okay. We all have our favorite seasons. When it comes to scripture, I got some of my favorites. What we just read is top five probably for passages in, in the Bible. I love the book of Ephesians, but what we just read, man, it just, mm, it just gets me going, right? I love this passage. So what I want to do before we get into the message, I got some people helping me this morning, but I just want to, I want to go through this, message, this passage real quick, just help you understand what's going on in this passage. Look at me, look with me at your scripture here. It says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, right? You were dead, right? That's, the, that's where we start with the gospel. A couple weeks ago, we said there's no good news unless you accept the bad news and understand the bad news. And the bad news isn't that you're sinful. The bad news isn't just that you're broken. The bad news isn't that you've got a problem. The bad news is you're dead. <laughs> like you're dead. It doesn't get worse than that. Like there's nothing you can do, right? That's the gospel. It says you're dead. It goes on, though. It says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. He's saying, listen, listen. When you were dead, you lived a certain way, right? You did certain things. You, you, you acted a certain way, right? That's what happened back when you were dead. He goes on, though, in verse number three. It says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. See, this is the bad news. We're dead. We lived the wrong way, and we all know that. You can think back in your life before you follow Christ, the things that you did, the way you thought. We all understand that, right? And the reality is because of that, we found ourselves in a place where we simply deserved wrath. We didn't deserve the good stuff. We deserved absolute wrath of God to be poured out on us. That's what we deserved. And then we get to verse number four, one of the greatest turning points in all of scriptures. But because of his great love for us, many translations right there just say, but God. But God, in the midst of all the garbage, the junk, the wrath, the dead, you know, you're in trouble. But God, he does something. He intervenes. This is why it's good news, right? It's not because you did something. It's not because you're great. It's because God intervened. He did something. 
What does it say? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's by grace. It's the grace of God. It's not you. You are the dead one. You don't raise yourself when you're dead, right? If you're dead, you're dead. Jesus does something for you. But we go on in verse number six. It says, and God raised us up with Christ. Remember we talked about this, this blessings that we have in Christ when we are in the what? The boat. When we get in the boat, you get some stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to listen to last week's message, okay? In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Because we are in Christ Jesus, we get the blessings. We get the good stuff. Not because of us, but because of Christ and what he has done for us. And then we get to, you know, one of the greatest two verses in all of scripture right here. For it is by grace you have been saved. What is grace? Unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. This isn't something that you figured out. No, it is all on him. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that nobody can boast. Mm, that's the gospel. You don't get to boast about it. This isn't on you. Not what you figured out. And I'm going to be honest. I, I question whether I want to talk about it because it was, it was just so prevalent on social media. But I'm forced to do this this morning here. Okay? Because I'm, I'm sure if you're on social media, you maybe heard about Kanye West has an album out. Right? And you, some of you have no idea who Kanye West is, but if you don't, Kanye is probably one of the biggest rappers and, and producers uh, in the music industry, the secular music industry, for the last 10 to 20 years. Everybody knows him. If you know Kanye, you know something. Kanye's been about Kanye. Like, Kanye cares about himself. He makes a big deal. He does things. He's crazy. He's, he's, no, he's known for his crude things. And I'm not going to begin to say that I know Kanye personally in any way whatsoever. But as I've read and read the stories of what's gone on, it is clear that something real is going on. Not like I want to give a shout out to the big guy in the sky, but there is a genuine conversion that's taking place in his life and in his heart. Now, he's still messed up. He's, I'm sure he's still broken, just like all of us. But here's the thing that I think is really cool, because it's messing with all of us Christian people a little bit. It messes with us a little bit, because we say, God will save anybody. He'll redeem anybody. But when somebody who's been really broken and for 20 years has been just saying horrible things, whatever, suddenly that God starts doing a restorative work in their life, we start to say, well, I'm not sure if it's real. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's real either. But his words coming out of my mouth really sound like something real is going on in his heart. Okay? And so for us, this is why the gospel is good. Because guess what? You were just like Kanye. You are broken. You might have been a little more cleaned up. You might not have been quite as much about yourself. But you are just as broken as he is. But for the grace of God, we are all in the same place. But he does the work. Why? So not we can boast in ourselves and how good we are. We get to boast in Christ who has bought us, who has purchased us, who has saved us from ourselves. Done what we could never do for ourselves. That's what the gospel is for all of us. All right? But if we get to this point, and this is all good, right? This is good news, man. Good news. But if we stop here, we have an incomplete gospel. The gospel's just been good news for me and what he's done in my life. It's an incomplete gospel, right? 
Because there's, there's, I think, two camps that can come from this. There's the first camp that says, well, my actions are what save me. They have this mindset like, I got to be a good person, and then I can clean myself up, and then God will like me. You know, we, this works religion. You know, we all know that that's garbage. That ain't right, okay? But there's another camp that can form is that God does it all, and I don't have a part in this thing. Like, it's just like God saves me, and then what I do doesn't really matter, and I just can kind of carry about my life, and, and then someday I get to go to heaven. See, that's, that's not the gospel either. There's a verse at the end of this passage that sometimes we don't read, and we haven't read it yet this morning. And that's verse number 10. What does it say in verse number 10? For we are God's handiwork. Stop there. We're God's hand. Like, true. God's the one that's doing the work in us. Look what it says. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Oh, yeah, the gospel's good news for you. It's your salvation. It means that you've been set free. But guess what? You haven't been called to just simply be saved and then go sit on a shelf somewhere. You've been called to actually engage in what he is doing in the world. We've been called to actually act, to do something, right? The goal of the gospel isn't just to get the gospel in you. It's to get the gospel through you. That you are a conduit of the hope and the life of of Jesus Christ. That this grace and this mercy that you have experienced, it would actually get through you, that you have a purpose. You have been saved for a reason, not just simply to to wait till heaven, but to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. We talked about that back in week number two. You have been saved for a reason. And so this morning, my, my challenge is that I want us to step back for a little bit and to think about this, to say, God, am I engaging? Am I being used by you. And rather than me sit here and try and convince you that you should be used, my desire this morning is to, to tell some stories of people that are in this body who are actually living out the gospel on a regular basis. And so I'm going to invite up two people here to join me first off. Can Daryl and Sarah join me up on the stage real quick? Can you give it up for them as they come to the stage? <laughs> Daryl's coming. Daryl sat in the back row, so he's got a ways to go. Let's give it up for Daryl one more time. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we're going to hear some stories this morning of different people. And, that, and, and all these are none of these people that are coming up here are because they're so great and amazing, right? You guys are perfect. You never do anything wrong, right? No, this, this is just sharing stories. And, and each of them, for a different reason, I have watched them live out the gospel. Not just simply be the ones who are taking this thing, but say, God, what can you do through me? Daryl has a really cool story. Daryl, uh, you know, is, we talked several weeks back about this idea of redemption. The fact that God redeems stuff in our life and can use it, buy it back, and do something amazing through it. And Daryl has a cool story and how God is using that. Why don't you share us a little bit of your story and how God's using you? All right. <clears throat> Everybody, hello. My name is Daryl. Uh, and... My story probably starts when I, when I was young, growing up on the south side of Chicago. Um, I actually was in a foster family for the first number of years of my life before being reunited with my mother and my grandmother. I didn't see my father much, didn't know him a whole lot until later on in life. Uh, in that process, uh, I, was, I learned how to do a lot of things when I was in the foster home. I learned how to hide things. I learned how to hide my feelings, my emotions, and I learned how to lie, hide a lot of stuff <laughs> all over the place. And, by the time I was back with uh, living with my with my mom and my grandmother, uh, I had already developed uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, issues in my life. Uh, anger issues was one of them. Uh, another one was uh, doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. 
in that process, that's when I started getting into more drugs and alcohol and things of that nature. And it really began to hold on my life. I tried to, I tried to keep it out of my life or keep it, keep it hidden. I was really good at hiding things. But eventually it caught up with me. Uh, it caught up with me more so when I moved to Minnesota on my own back when I was 19 years old. Uh, got to get into a couple fights. Uh, wound up uh, sitting under, as we used to say, underneath the clock downtown, which is the old jail in Minneapolis. Uh, done that, done that bit a couple of times, and uh, in that process of trying to live my life and trying to get my life in order, it was a lot of shortcomings in that process. I tried to be one person, I tried to be another person, and didn't wind up being anybody. Until finally one day. Uh, a good friend of mine, after my son was born, and me and his mom were, were living together, we weren't married. And when my son was born, and we, I bought some furniture, and uh, and I asked, <laughs> I asked, uh, I asked, uh, I was asking around for somebody to deliver this furniture because I did not want to pay a delivery fee to this furniture. So I found a guy with a pickup truck who actually built was a friend of a friend of ours. What I didn't know was that, that this guy had a relationship with Christ. He'd only been been saved like about 11 months. So when he picked us up to go get this furniture, the next thing that happened was that he started talking to my girl about, about Jesus. Her father was a former pastor, so they, had, so they, were, they were clicking the job, and I was just sitting to the side listening. And after we got everything moved in, he turned to me and said, let me ask you a question, man. Usually when I talk to people about Christ, only two things happen. Either they get up and run away or they get saved. Which one were you going to do? <laughs> So he started taking me through the Gospels and started sharing, sharing his faith with me. And that night I gave my life to Christ. And I wish I could tell you at that point everything was fine. It was not. Okay? Because now I gave my life to Christ. I let the drugs and alcohol go immediately. But the problem is I still had the same character defects. I still had the things that I was dealing with over a course of time. My anger issues and things like that. That led me to another trip in jail uh, for domestic assault back then. In that process... I, after going through that, through, that, through that category and that mess, God began to come in and work with me and send some good people in my life to begin to minister to me and teach me and show me that, that there's a loving God who, who really wants to bless you and show you that there's a better life than you living in anger. So that night, one night, I finally gave that anger over to God and said, I can't take this no more, Lord. You take this, I'm going to take me out one or the other. So he took that anger from me, and then I just began to work. I began to do different things. I was a mortgage broker, other things. And then finally somebody came to me and said, you know what, you ever thought of working with people who have addictions, issues like that? I said, no, man, I've been working hard to stay away from that stuff. I don't work with, I don't work with people that got those issues. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But to make a long story short, because I know you only said three minutes, make a long story short, <laughs> after working at a treatment center, somebody came to me and asked me to come work at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. I became a mentor first. I denied the, the opportunity to do it, and I just became a mentor to a guy. And then people on staff started asking me, you really need to come work here. I turned in my application, and through a process of time, I became uh, working for Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge and been there for now 14 years, working and helping other addicts and men struggling with father issues, men struggling with addiction issues, and more importantly, men struggling with issues on how to be men. Good. And teaching them how to do that and how to step up to another level in Christ and understand that Christ is your source. God is your source. Not your own yeah. might and your own power, but by his spirit, says the Lord, is what Amen. gets it done. Amen. So. It's great. It's awesome, man. Let me give that to Sarah.
what I, what I think is awesome in Daryl's story is, it, yeah, well, that's what now he takes a paycheck for, for doing that. Not as much as you deserve, but you take a paycheck for it. But, but I, he doesn't just do it when he gets paid for it. I watch him serving and caring about people that are broken. That, that's just his ministry now. It, it rather, you know, like you said, running away from it, saying, God, I'm not going to use any of this stuff you gave him. No, God, how can you use me to use this for your glory? God, I want to be used by you. I want to be that person who is allowing the gospel to flow through me, not just simply enjoying the benefits because you got the benefits now. You're saved. Why? You don't need to help. Well, no. How can I help somebody else? I want to have Sarah share a little bit. She, she shared, she, from one of the first weeks I met her when I came here, uh, she was talking about one of these ministries that she's a part of, uh, of building bridges. And, and talk to us about what you do in terms of building bridges. Um, I work with uh, SALT, Somali Adult Liter Literacy Training. Um, it's an Arrive Ministries program with Transform Minnesota. And um, part of what I do is I have, um, I have like a girl's day with my friend who is Somali. And I help her with her English, and she teaches me Somali. And then on Wednesday afternoons over at uh, Chancellorville Manor. Chancellor Manor? You probably know the answer. I don't. Um, and it, so there's a the very large Somali population there, and, and the ladies can come in for, they can work on, tutor, for, on tutoring for English or for math or for citizenship. And we just try to make it more of a community. They, they already know that we're Christians. In fact, they assume it. And they are not bothered by this. Part of it is just really wanting to make connections with people that they see, because we all see each other, but they don't know, because we're Minnesotans and we don't talk to strangers usually, <laughs> unless you're a weirdo like me. So, um, but I invite you all to be weirdos. It's okay. It's fun. Um, we, so when, when I meet with um, Farhia, I'm going to use Farhia, because there are a million Farhias, um, it, it's a blast because we've discovered that we like a lot of the same things. And so sometimes we forget to work on what we're supposed to be working on. And we talk about making injeri, or we talk about um, you know, something to help her son who is autism, or we talk about just goofing off, or we talk about how, um, you know, some of her stories of how she grew up in Somalia and then she um, moved to Pakistan, and then she finally was able to come to the United States, and how much she loves to learn, and, uh, you know, and she'll teach me some Somali, and when, in Somali, I'm a baby, right? I can't even say, you know, if I, let's say that I was in the Somali mall, and nobody spoke English, which is not true, but if I was in the Somali mall, and I needed the bathroom, <laughs> I would have to do an embarrassing little dance. <laughs> I do not know how to say, where's the bathroom in Somali? I should put that on my list, but I, I don't know, and so I'm less than a child, because a little child they can say, Mommy, I want to use the bathroom. But I can't do that. I have to do an embarrassing little dance because I don't know how to ask this. And so I, I, like, one of the things that they talked about um, at SALT, we had a class in, in growth participator approach to learning languages. And I'm, I'm a language nerd. I'll admit this. Um, is they talked about how when you go into another culture and you learn their language, you are starting out as way less than your regular adult self. Because in English, I teach Spanish, I teach technology, I have a master's degree. Woohoo! look at me. But in Somali, <laughs> I am a baby. You think about Christ. He is the son of God. And he came to earth as a baby who pooped his diaper and couldn't say he wanted milk and grew up. And I, I don't... 
I get to copy that. Like we're imitators of Christ. I get to copy that and learn Somali. I get to talk with strangers or people who are just a different, different culture than I am um, and invite them in and be welcoming and build a bridge. And I want to copy Christ because he came as a baby and he brought me eternal life. And so how can I do that for um, other people? That's great. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> But sometimes we talk about, okay, what does it look like to live out the gospel? Sometimes it means just simply building a bridge to somebody. You know, how many of you have a neighbor that you don't really have a relationship with yet? Okay. One way to live out the gospel is to go knock on somebody's door and say, hi, my name is Greg. <laughs> you know, and build a bridge and start talking to somebody. Do that with, with those that are in your relationship, that you have relationship with, people that you don't know. Just building a bridge. And and. This, she may, I don't know what the end result of this, but she's doing it intentionally, not because she just wants to, let's just go do this. But no, I want to build bridges to other people, and I might be able to lead somebody to Christ. And that's the heart behind it. And that's what it means to live the gospel out. Can you give it up for these two as they go down? I'm going to invite up Terry and Noel, if you guys can come join us. I've got Terry and Noel here. Um, Terry, um, both Terry and Noel actually uh, own different, or are part of owning different businesses. And I, I love talking about the way that they uh, see business and the way they leverage that for the gospel. And Terry, talk to us a little bit about what that looks like, the gospel in your business world. Sure. Um, just a little context. Uh, so I work with a family business. Um, it's actually Susan, Susan's father started about 55 years ago. And about 15 years ago, her three brothers and I um, took over the business and have been running it ever since. About 12 years ago, we ran into a, kind of a snag. We call it our Red Sea moment. Um, we manufacture product, and with that, there are liability issues. And this happened to go overseas, and so it was an international issue. And so we ended up getting sued. And it was a, it was a large lawsuit, and it was actually putting our, con our company in peril. It was something that we really didn't have any control over. It wasn't something that we did wrong. It was a litigation over something that just, um, for lack of a better word, didn't go our way. Um, so at that point, um, Susan's brother, Dave, who happens to be the president of the company, uh, he and his wife had a lot of sleepless nights, and they were trying to figure out what to do, what to do, what to do, because as a business owner, you don't just have employees, you have a family. We've tried to create a culture where we have, it's, it's, it's an environment where we treat people as the, our own family. And so that with that, you have a huge weight on your shoulder that you have all those families, not just the people who are working for you, but the families that they represent on your heart that you want to do the very best thing for. So we're at a, we're at a point where we're at a Red Sea moment, um, and we really didn't know what to do. Dave and Becky were having sleepless nights. They got up one morning at 2 o'clock in the morning because they felt compelled to, and at that point, they had turned the company. They felt compelled to turn the company over to God. It was, it was a Christian family that was running it, but it wasn't necessarily <laughs> the Lord sitting on the seat of the throne of the company. And at that point, they turned it over to to God, said a prayer, wrote a paragraph, signed it, put it in a file, and um, short of a miracle, actually it's not short of a miracle, it was a miracle, suddenly the lawsuit didn't destroy the company, and instead our company started to gain, 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 gain. So as the obedience of the family and turning this over um, just changed the dynamic and changed the trajectory of the company. And in doing so, as part of that commitment of turning it over to the company, or turning the company over to the Lord, uh, there was a commitment to tithe, not just 
10%, but as much as we could with 10% as a minimum of all of our profits. And those profits were to go to nonprofit um, charitable ministries that, that truly honored, promoted Christ in our backyard, domestically across the U.S., as well as globally. So we've gotten involved in that. And that wasn't just for the, the, the close family members. It was for our whole company. So we get involved with Feed My Starving Children. We get involved with Venture. We get involved with KTIS. We get involved with um, Hope Academy, Salvation Army, and a whole host of other ones as well. But through that process, it's not just the family, the, the family members who own the company that are involved in that. We invite our employees in as well. And part of that, we have a, a thing coming up. There's a mobile pack that's going to be going on in Shakopee at the Friendship Campus on uh, November 6th through the, the 9th. The 8th. the 8th is ours. Yeah, the 8th. So actually we're going to invite, what we'd love to have is 100 members, 100 people from uh, Zoe Church show up on Friday, uh, Friday from 5 to 7, and fill a shift and help us pack meals that are going to go, I believe they're going to go to Haiti because they're really in need of food right now. I can't say that that's the exact destination, but... Um, is there a sign-up sheet out? In yep, the we got two. We're actually going to do, do two different sessions. So you can either sign up between 5 to 7 or between 7.30 and 10 o'clock on Friday night. And there's a sign-up table right on the, the center doors. Join us. We'd love to have you guys join in for that. So if there's any questions, you can ask me about that. But in going through that, one of the things that we try to do is we involve our employees in all the ministries that we get involved in. So part of it for Feed My Starving Children, we're paying them to come and help us pack. <laughs> We can't force them to do that, but we're going to pay for them to come and pack. And we have about 85 to 90% participation, which speaks a lot about the employees that we have. They're of great character. They can see that there's a genuine love for them. Um, it's not uncommon you might see an email cir circulating through the company that, you know, so-and-so really needs prayer today. They've got a family situation. Or you might even see a couple of employees in the office of someplace praying for something that's come up either immediately within our company or maybe there's a family need or something like that. So trying to incorporate the gospel in a daily basis in our company um, has been the truest blessing that we've ever experienced. Beyond any profit that we made, beyond anything that we could ever say, you know what, we did this. We're changing and, and we're having an opportunity to help impact the lives of our employees as well as people around the world through God's blessing. And so that's great. That's what we that's do. awesome. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, so some, some of you maybe own a company. Some of you are in, in leadership in a company. It's something to think about. Okay, God, how could I allow the gospel to actually impact the business world as well? Not just simply what I'm, I'm doing here at church and in my personal life, but how can it influence? And Noel, I've watched the same thing happen in you. You've, uh, over the last, I've known you for uh, 10, 15 years now, but over the last couple of years, I've seen God break your heart to say, how can I leverage what I do? And not just business-wise, but also the influence that you've been able to gain through social media and some of those other ways. How can I leverage that for the gospel, for the sake of reaching lost people? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, a few years ago, I became a realtor and was just doing business by myself the way that I do it. And then one day, I was just um, struck Really, it was during worship, and the song Build My Life um, by House Fires came on, and it was talking about um, lead me in your love to those around me. And it just, um, it hit me hard. It hit me so hard that I decided to leave the safety of the brokerage that I was at and open up my own office because I live in Burnsville, 
and I wanted to be here as a shining light in the community of Burnsville. So we opened up an office and um, accumulated other realtors to come work with us. And one of our things is that we have prayer mornings on Thursdays. Greg has actually been there for a couple of them. And not everybody at my office actually is a believer, and, and it's okay, but they are there to witness it. Um, and then I started growing with this thing that is what I consider to be my most powerful tool. If you see me, you, it'll be rare if you don't see this thing in my hand. And um, for me, it's not an addiction. For me, I use this thing as a tool to share my love of Christ with others. So I started doing a lot of video work just for real estate, for marketing. And then um, I started getting some... Um, attention on the videos that I was doing and it started growing on a nationwide basis and so I started getting asked to speak across the country on how to do video and so I'm standing in front of all of these realtors teaching them how do you use video for your business and it was in that moment that I realized um, and I, I God gave me the confidence that I could speak out on my faith on my videos occasionally and not just use it for business. So all of these realtors start following me on a, on a personal basis because they want to watch my videos. They want to see what I'm making. And so then um, they see everything else that I post. And I post a lot about church and I post a lot about my faith. And I started doing um, live videos once a week. And people... It's kind of crazy, the people that come out of the woodwork, that you have no idea. You have no idea who is watching you. Um, you might go frequent a coffee shop every week. You have no idea who's watching you. But the, the key thing is to have the confidence in Christ that he is going to speak through you. And as long as you are doing what he has commanded you to do, he will take care of the rest. And so, yeah, that's kind of that's where I've gone that's with great. that. Yeah, and it's, it's fun to watch her because... Um, yeah, she does the, the little weekly thing, and it's a live cast kind of thing. And to, I love it because she gives me a shout-out every other week because she'll just preach my <laughs> message on Monday morning, I which is great. I do a lot. I take from his stuff a lot. But it's, it's great. No, but, but I watch people responding. And you see, it isn't just people here, you know, that go to our church that are responding to what she's saying. It's, it's people all over the country responding with genuine questions that thought, wow, that's really something to think about. And it's like, that's super cool because it's just leveraging. This is what it means to say, God, use me wherever I'm at. How can you use me? And some teenagers, some of you guys have stuff going on in your life and you could say, hey, I could leverage social media rather than just, you know, we see so much negative stuff about social media. How can I leverage it in a positive way for the sake of sharing the gospel that God would do something through us, not for us? And tell us a little bit. You got, you just came back from a trip that kind of messed you up a little bit. Yes, I, I was a wreck here last Sunday. I just um, went to Malawi, Africa for three weeks to document video and photograph um, everything that this tiny little nonprofit that my family is involved in had been doing over there for the last several years. And it was eye-opening to me to just see how blessed we are here. And in fact, in Malawi, like my job doesn't even exist there. They don't sell real estate there because they don't really have real estate there. Um, and so, you know, coming back from that trip and posting about it leading up to it and posting about it coming back, other people now are witnessing that I am taking time out of my life and my schedule to honor God. And they're seeing it. And now they're thinking, 
hmm, how can I do that too, you know? And so it's a way to just encourage others to live for Christ by your own actions. That's great. That's great. Awesome. Can you give it up for these two? So I want to get to our big so what here this morning, and I'm going to do an object lesson. If you want to pull up the big so what for this morning, it's just simply this. We aren't buckets, we're funnels. Okay? We aren't buckets, we're funnels. Who knows what this is? What kind of bucket? A Homer bucket. That's the right answer, okay? This is for Home Depot, the Homer bucket. I think I can fix anything in my home with a hammer, duct tape, or a Homer bucket, okay? They're pretty amazing, all right? Here's how I think we treat the gospel and we treat our faith sometimes, okay? We got this bucket, right? So we come on a Sunday morning and you hear a really good message. Man, oh, the message, the gospel, oh, the redemptive work of Christ. I'm going to put that in my bucket. You hear about, oh, man, this message of forgiveness, oh, so good. Oh, I'm going to put that in my bucket, man. Oh, Come in the, more, the worship time, oh, it's just a powerful time of worship. Let's put that in my bucket, right? Oh, it's just when God moved. Oh, Greg didn't preach very good today, so I'm going to go home and listen to one of those podcast people that are really good. Oh, that's a good word. Put that in my bucket, right? Right? Or, you know, you go through, you're, maybe you're in a class, you're in a group, whatever, you get a good word. Mm, that's a good neck, and let's put that in my bucket. Oh, I love my bucket. It's a good bucket I have here, right? You know, or you go, maybe you go, you're listening to KTS, you got your jam on, oh, that's my song, that's a good one, I love that song, put that in my bucket, right? Or, or maybe you're, you're going through the week, you're reading a devotional, and that, oh, it's good stuff, right? Or you, re- you open your Bible, and you're like, mm, that's a good word, Jesus, I love that word, put that in my bucket. And we just like to keep it nice in our buckets, right? Just fill the gospel, just living in our buckets, Right? We never think of doing anything with it. No, we're just, we're just living it. Us church people, let's just be honest, because I is one. I'm a church people too. And we spend so much time week after week after week filling our buckets, filling our buckets, filling our buckets over and over. And it's good. We need to fill it in. But if that's all we're doing is filling our bucket, you've missed the point because we aren't buckets. We aren't buckets. What are we? We're funnels. We've got the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? You've got it in your life. God's spoken to you. You, you know, that, that week we talked about it early on. We said, you know what? We are sinners. We are broken. And we need a Savior. Yeah, right. We've experienced this. Oh, that's so good. So good. God, God has poured out his grace on us. And, and we're just going to allow it to flow right through us. To say, God, God, I'm not going to hold on. I'm not going to just simply, ah, the grace. Oops, I missed the bucket. I'm, I'm not going to just, I'm not. I'm not just going to pour my water into the bucket and say, oh, oh, grace of God. I love the grace of God. No, 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 no. We're funnels. We say, God, how can you allow your forgiveness? I mean, I've experienced the forgiveness of God. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you know your life. You were broken. You needed forgiveness really bad because you knew you were screwed up. And rather than just say, God, I'm going to hold on to this. No, say, God, I'm a funnel. I'm a funnel. God, can I allow your, your gospel, your forgiveness to flow through me, not just simply to be stuck in here, hiding inside of my bucket, Right? Some of you have experienced the grace of God, that unmerited favor that you know you didn't deserve. But you know what? We're not buckets. We're not made to just sit and hold on to this thing and put it inside of our, 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 our pocket and then hold on. No, we're saying, God, I have experienced your grace, but God, may I not just hold on to it. God, may, may I allow your grace to flow through me, the, the grace and the, the life and the hope of Jesus Christ. May it flow through my life. May it course through my very veins. May what I do be reflective of the work that you have done inside of me, not holding on to it for myself, 
but allowing it to be used for the world. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. He has put his gospel in you so that it might go through you. You are a funnel. You're not a bucket. And as long as we miss this one, we are a, we're like a, a, a church that's had the legs cut off. What's the point? What's the point of us? We've been given a mandate, a mission, go into all the world, share the hope of Jesus Christ. But it's not going to happen as long as we're just letting everything sit inside of our bucket. Instead, we would say, God, God, I don't, I don't got all my stuff together yet. It's okay. The disciples didn't have all their stuff together. It's not like I got to wait until I'm older. I got to wait until I got, you know, I know all of the spiritual truths. I got to, no, 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 no. He's not asking for that. He's just saying, would you be a funnel? Would you just take what you've received and would you pass it on? That's it. You don't have to know everything. Have you received faith of Christ, in Christ? Share that. Has God done a work in your life? Share it. Has he done something in your world? Share it. Don't hold on to it. I want to invite one last person up. Michelle, would you come join me up here real quick? I don't invite Michelle up here because uh, she's got all her stuff together either. <laughs> I invite her up here uh, because I've watched her in my six months here. And if there's one person that I've watched that just tries to live this out as imperfectly as any of us do, it's Michelle. I've watched her try to just say, God, whatever I've got. She hasn't got a business. She's this massive corporation she's running. She hasn't got some big ministry going on. She just simply says, God, how can you use me right where I'm at? I've watched her, I've watched her do that with the people that she lives by who are people who are struggling and in deep needs. And, and she, she might say, well, I don't have a place to put you. You can sleep on my couch. You can do anything. Like, I'll, I'll serve you. I'll, I'll make food for you. I'll do whatever I can. I've watched her over and over do those kind of things. Why? Because she has a heart for that. And I just want to ask you, Michelle, like, real quick, like, what, why? Why do you do what you do? Like, what is it that, that causes you to say, I want to I do something for Christ? When I had a stroke, I can't speak up. And I was sad. Not that I lost my voice. I can't do anything. So I went to my neighbor's house, who I wanted that, her daughter to come with me to church. And I said, blah, 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 blah. Well, just, just take her. Just take her. That was so humbling. But she came with us. She got saved. Another, almost, more, more people came with me. I'm very thankful for that. I do it because of the Christ Jesus. He did it for me. I want more people to be saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's, um, um, James 5 talks about perseverance through trials. My life is a big trial, but I'm still making it through. That's great. That's great. Thanks, Michelle. Michelle, Michelle inspires me because all of us can have an excuse, right? She had a stroke, what was it, 10 years ago? Nine years ago? 13. 13 years ago. Holy cow, 13 years ago. She had a stroke. Yeah, for a while she couldn't talk. And it's still, I watch it. I watch frustration in her eyes because she just can't formulate the words always. They just don't come out the right way. And it would be very easy for Michelle to say, yeah, well, that's, that's for someone else. Like, I'm not the one who's supposed to do things. Let the people who, who didn't have a stroke, let them be the ones who share the gospel. She said, no, God used me. 
whatever I can, whatever I can do. And it isn't about saying, how can I do something amazing? It's how can I be faithful? And that's the challenge I have for the church here this morning. Can we be funnels, not buckets? Can we say, God, I'm yours no matter what, God. I don't want to just sit on the sideline. I don't want to be the church, good church person who just kind of sits on the sideline and fills my buckets week by week and then go back to my normal life. And then I come back and I fill my bucket again. And then I go back and I come back again next week and I'll do this again. No, no, no. God, how can you take what you have poured into me and how can you use it? How can you give me creativity to say, what influence do I have? How can I speak your life? How can I live out this gospel? in the world around me. And so I'm going to have a, a challenge this morning. There's some of you here this morning who've never responded to the gospel. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a couple of moments. But right now, this is a challenge for those who are a follower of Christ, okay? And this isn't a close your eyes and bow your head kind of moment, okay? This is a moment where I want to call us up to another level. I'm going to challenge you to take a stand this morning to say, God, I'm done. To say, God, I am going to be a funnel. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up in the morning saying, God, how can you use me? I'm not going to go about carrying on life as I normally do. I'm not going to just pretend like, uh, you know, well, let's play church. No, no, I am going to do things for your gospel. I am going to be a conduit of the love and the grace and the hope of Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you would say, that is who I want to be, God. God, I want to be all for you. Not partially for you, God. I want you to flow through me. If that's you this morning, as a step of faith, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at right now. If you say, I want to be yours, God. I'm not holding back. I'm not sitting back anymore. I'm standing up for you. Cross the room. This is a moment for you. Can we just do this right now as an act of surrender? Just raise your hands and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. Have, an, have a prayer right where you're at. Say, God, I'm yours. I don't want to do the motions. I don't want to just carry on as usual. God, we're not just playing games with this gospel series. That was good. That was nice. That makes me feel good. No, God, may we take the hope we've received and pour it out to a lost and broken world. God, stir it up inside of our hearts. Break our hearts, God. Break our hearts for a world that needs the hope of Jesus. God, may you stir it up in us, God. God, more than just trying to convince ourselves, God, do it inside of us, God. God, may we be used for you. When we wake up in the morning, God, I pray that you would begin to speak visions into our hearts. God, prepare us for conversations that are going to come during the day, for interactions that we're going to have. God, help us to, to, to respond as you would desire us to, God. God, I pray that you would give us faith to believe for great things in our world. God, I pray that you would give us encouragement, give us ideas of how we can use our finances for your glory, how we can use our energy for your glory, how we can use our time for your glory, God. God, the things that we're already doing, the, the, the gospel could flow through it, Jesus. God, we offer ourselves to you completely. This ain't church. This ain't playing games, God. This is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come through your people here, Lord Jesus. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.